This podcast series will chart the journey of creating an English theatre in Brussels by exploring different aspects of the performing arts, business and wider social phenomena. Last episode, we talked about the general vision for The Bridge, a new theatre for Brussels that will produce work in English language. This episode, we want to take a look at the phenomena of English theatres in general. My name is Edward McMillan, the founder of The Bridge. And I'm Phil Wilcox, and I'm a singer, a musician based in London. And I have the privilege of being a very good old friend of Ed's, and I'm delighted he's asked me along to help present these podcasts. So, before we get into the nitty-gritty uh, and introduce our guest this week, Ed, uh, I'd like to know, and I'm sure our many, many listeners would like to know, uh, what's happening with The Bridge. So, we had our first introduction episode last time. What's been going on since then? Sure. Well, at the moment, we're really concentrating on getting the word out in Brussels to to, to the people here, both in terms of the, the general public, my friends, for example, here who I haven't actually told about it before, but also uh, at the institutional level. So really talking to the different theatres here, talking to the, the various uh, administrative bodies, including including the, the 19 councils that run Brussels, um, and just trying to to gauge the reaction of of people to to the theatre and the reaction so far has been great so i'm also trying to now um you know i i started with a vision i want to create an english theatre and i'm trying to actually make this a bit more concrete now so really pinning down okay where is the theatre going to be what are we actually going to do who is going to create this with me so i'm also now forming a team and i've i've got a few members of the team on board and I'm exploring potential partners to to work together on various aspects of the theatre. And last but not least, the most exciting part, I am uh, establishing the theatre as an entity, so as an ASBL, as they are in 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 Belgium, as a, as a not-for-profit entity. Amazing! So we'll have a birthday to celebrate in a year's time. Then we'll have an anniversary. So today we're going to be talking about English language theatres in general across Europe. What are they, how they've come about and when they appeared. And we're delighted to be joined today by the Artistic Director of the Hague's English Theatre, Stet, uh, Tom Dello. So thanks for joining us, Tom. Hi. Hey, thank you for having me. So I hope you don't mind, but just to, just to get to know you a little bit, Tom, we're going we're gonna to play a little game, put you on the spot a little bit with some uh, quick-fire icebreaker questions. Are you up for that? Of course, bring it on. Excellent. Here we go. Okay. So, um, early bird or night owl? Definitely night owl. Very good. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Coffee. Yeah, me too. Um, cocktails or wine? Ooh, I'd go for wine, I guess, but that's mainly because in my student days, there was a lot of red wine involved. So, <laughs> cheap red wine. Oh. <laughs> it's a bit nostalgic. Yes. <laughs> cheap red wine. Excellent. Um, leaning a bit towards theatre now, um, Shakespeare or Alan Bennett? I'm a Shakespeare guy. We did some research on you. We, you studied Shakespeare, is that <laughs> yes, right? Yes, I studied uh, performing Shakespeare in the UK, yeah. Oh, wow, fantastic. Um, and also theatre, what, uh, comedy or tragedy? What would be your best night out? Uh, going to a comedy or a uh, tragedy? Yeah, maybe a bit of both. I mean, the best Shakespearean tragedies have some good comedy in there, so... Uh, 
But if I really have to choose, I'd go for tragedy. Yeah, let's have some some deaths and despair. Oh wow! <laughs> Do you like something with a bit of dark humor about it then? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, a teacher of mine always said, "Well, you really need to to get your audience close and really get them nice and cozy, and then you can smack him across the face and have some 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 earthquakes uh, that you can can manage." Yeah. So, so Tom, you're you're a Shakespeare expert, then we could say. I mean, what what else what else should should the listener know about you? Uh, well, yeah, I, I'm 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 a Shakespeare expert. Sure, yeah, I studied Shakespeare uh, as a as a Dutch guy. Um, went to the UK, um, and when I got back, I did a lot of of, of teaching, directing Shakespeare. Um, and now, once I got to the English theatre, it's um it's it, it's it's a little bit um gone to the background. I mean, I'm I'm not the 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 Shakespeare kind of guy you'd you'd imagine. I I love when when it's put in a blender and. And, and set on fire that's my favorite shakespeare uh when when something is done with it and something is new is done with it um so maybe some of the the real shakespeare puritans might not always agree with the things that i, I like to program or like like to see but um yeah i like it when it's it's fresh and new you mentioned that you've traveled quite a bit there as well uh, chart your journey for us you so you weren't born in the uk but you studied here how and and i know that you've been other places as well where what's your journey so far yeah, so I, I grew up in, in, in Netherlands, a small small city uh, called Maastricht, and then I did my theater school in Utrecht, a bigger city in the Netherlands. Uh, I did an internship in Melbourne, Australia. I went to the theater school there um, for half a year. And after my studies finished, I worked for a little bit and then did my master's degree in Bath in, uh, in the UK. Uh, did an uh, an internship then at the Globe, Shakespeare's Globe. We did a, a couple of weeks there where we worked and made a, made parts of a show. And uh, yeah, it was great to be there on the on the stage of the Globe, Shakespeare's Globe. Very uh, yeah, it was very Amazing. intimidating, but also a great great experience. Uh, and then yeah, I just got back um, 2016, and now I'm working in the Hague. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, yeah, we'll come back and we'll hear a little bit more about Stet uh, in a little bit. Um, but first of all, Ed, um, tell us a little bit more about the history of English theatres. Yeah, well, they're a bit of a, 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 a strange uh, a, a phenomenon, I, I, I guess. So there are now around, or, or at least, say, six English theatres uh, in Europe, uh, it, mostly in the German-speaking places in in Austria and Germany um and it, the history of them is usually follows the path it's usually an american or american spouse um of of a native of that country comes and and they found a, a theater together uh it could be a british there's a south african guy as well um or in the case of of Stert, it, it it was it was a native of of ne- netherlands who came over after after having worked in the uk so the very first one was uh in actually in vienna and that was founded in 1963 uh and that was followed by hamburg in 1976 and then frankfurt after that okay so there are a few around is there has there ever been one in brussels amazingly no there has never been one in Brussels. Uh, you know the culture here; it's 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 very 
tribal in a way. You know, you have these two uh, cultural identities, these two language communities, which are kind of uh, fighting each other almost to 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 have cultural superiority, and they and 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 therefore the 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 cultural supporting organizations they support their own language, and so there's not really room for for professional English theatre here, unfortunately. So, having said that. The theatres here, they do sometimes, very, very occasionally, put on a production in in English. I saw one, for example, here at the Beaux-Arts, the Centre of Fine Arts, uh, and it was just just on for one night. It was an Irish play, a one-woman Irish play. Uh, But in my five years here, that's actually been the only time I've ever seen um, professional English theatre. Now, to compensate this, there are actually six very good uh, amateur theatre groups here um, of various persuasions. So there's the American Theatre Company, there's the Irish Theatre Group, there is the Brussels Shakespeare Company, um, Tom, and there's Light Opera, Comedy Club, and then the English Theatre Club as well. So you have these six uh, amateur groups, and they actually own, they they co-own their own physical theatre called the Warehouse Theatre, and that's in Scarbeck in, in Brussels. Um so you have these great amateur theatres, but nothing actually on the professional side of things here. Wow. So the bridge could then be like the the first uh, home of English language theatre then in, in Brussels, which would be amazing. So more broadly about Europe, and Tom, feel free to come in on this. Um, to your knowledge in um, English language theatres, where are they? Do, do Where do the other theatres exist in Europe? Yeah, so I mean, apart from the Hague, as I said, they're mostly in German-speaking places. So, so, so in 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 Frankfurt, in in Munich, Berlin, Hamburg, in Vienna as well. Um, but there's also one in in Rome, and there are also a few um, English companies that tour around to different places. For example, there's there's a Munich-based company, and they tour, including to 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 the Czech Republic, and there's there's a few ones that go around France as well. There's also the the Shakespeare uh, uh, Festival in Prague. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, so there is English theatre here. It's just quite d- d- dispersed, I would say, and it's quite um, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's dispersed and 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 small pockets here and there. And which of these theatres would you say is is the biggest theatre? Is there is there one that that tops it above the rest? I believe the biggest one is in Frankfurt. I mean, they they claim at least to be the largest. It's a three hundred speaker, a three hundred seater, sorry, theater. Um, and this was opened uh, thirty years ago by a gentleman from South Africa named Kevin Oakes. And they have quite a large following. They're they're, they're really supported by the local businesses there, by especially the banks. Um, and they have over sixty thousand uh, visitors a year. Um, mostly, mostly actually Germans, German native speakers, and then about thirty percent of their customer base is uh, is foreigners. So that kind of shows the interest of German uh, people, German speakers in English theatre, which which I find interesting if, from the point of view of Brussels. Um, I actually found out about the Frankfurt Theatre because I spent six months living in Frankfurt, and that's where I first uh, found out about the theatre, and I went to see their shows and and found them great well so we know there's there's definitely an appetite for it isn't there and as we discussed last time um that uh there's you through your own research you found that there's definitely an appetite for it in brussels as well um what about vienna you mentioned one in vienna 
Yeah, I mean, I mentioned the one in Vienna because actually this, this is the oldest theatre. As I said, it was filmed in 1963. It was actually, so this is the spouse um, uh, connection. So it was, it was founded by an Austrian, Franz Schaffernick, uh, and his American uh, wife, who was also an actress at the time. Uh, and it was originally just a summer school and they got people to come. And then and then it was so successful that they, they bought themselves a small venue, a 99-seat uh, playhouse um, in central Vienna. And then they gradually expanded and expanded. And actually, over the years, they did some pretty impressive stuff. So they, they hosted world premieres of, of, of shows by Tennessee Williams and also by Edward Albee. And they've also had actors uh, in their shows such as Judy Dench, Dame Judy Dench and Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, so quite a, a, a pedigree of, of people there. Um, and they even it was so successful in English, they also opened a, 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 a Théâtre Français de Vienne as well, a French theatre. Um, and they're still going. They have a, a large educational component. I think they basically have a a, a, a permanent theatre school for 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 professional training alongside their their theatre as well. It's it's very impressive. Um, and and they're they're in a they're located in a very ornate old building, uh, very Viennese in a way. I have I haven't been there, but this is uh, what I've been told from my friends. Brilliant. So we've uh, we've got the broader view of English language theatres across Europe, and now I'm, I'm really keen to know, Tom, uh, what's the deal with Stet? What's happening? What's happening over there? Um, we know, or at least on your website, we can find out about the the, the founding of the theatre by by Elska in um, sort of early 2000s, isn't it? Um, and mm-hmm. you are now artistic director. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So Elska Elska founded uh, Elska von Hoog. She founded Stet in 2006. And um, basically, she started out with she worked in the UK before in London. And when she came back to the Netherlands, people started asking, hey, so some of the great shows that you guys have over in, in the UK, can we like bring them over somehow to the Netherlands? And Elska said, sure, let's 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 go for it. Let's try. So she she founded the, the Stet, the English theater. Um, and since uh, about a year and a half ago, I joined in as a programmer. And now Elska has retired and I took over as artistic director. Amazing. So as artistic director of an English theatre in The Hague, what, what is it you do? What's your day-to-day activities? Well, uh, it's, it's a bit, uh, uh, at the moment, it's, it's a bit strange because I, I kind of took over this role in the midst of the whole pandemic. So it's, it's mainly trying to, to put out fires left and right, trying to, to save what we can and trying to see what, what's, what's possible. Um, but we are a, um, a programming uh, organization mainly. So we, we don't have our own theater building, um, but we uh, program English theater shows in the buildings of our national theater. Um, so we do that once a month. Um, so basically it's trying to find shows and um, yeah, figuring out well either from the UK or, or anywhere around the world that is English language theater. And we bring them over to The Hague um, so they can perform. Yeah, I mean, it sounds great, but I'd be interested to know like what kind of productions then do, 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 do you source or what, what do you look for when you're looking at productions to bring over? 
Right. Yeah. So we're a fairly small organization with a with a relatively small budget. So we we what we do is we try and find up and coming shows. We try and find uh, shows that are very actual, very topical, um, and that you know we can provide a stage for them to 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 have a broader. Uh, um, reach, I guess, in a way. So sometimes we have like solo performances or or two handers from really established artists, and sometimes we we, for example, we go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and try and see, try and scout shows there, some really up and coming performers. And we think, hey, these these this is really nice, and we really want to give them a platform, and then we we book those. So it's usually very fairly small shows. So the the theaters that we the venues that we have here in the they're usually around 100 120 seaters um so we don't have like the the, the big big uh, west end shows over it's more like the the, the small intimate uh, uh sometimes experimental performances um that really yeah we try to show something that people might not have seen before um that's uh that's uh, yeah a little bit how we go at it it's amazing. So it sounds like you, uh, you, you're sort of importing great theatre into the, into the country, but also that you're really. It's amazing how you seek it out. Like you say, you go and and, and view pieces in in the Edinburgh Fringe and stuff, and 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 really tailor pick. I assume what you what you feel is going to go down well with your audiences. Um, you mentioned the budget stuff there. I mean, I think we know the the budget is always a top priority in in the arts world, isn't it? And I think we know that the budget stretches further in when you collaborate. You know, if you can pull two or three resources together with different budgets, budgets, then it, that that money is going to go further. How do you do? You collaborate with the other English language theatres and and or in, or theatres in the UK, and how does that go about? Um, we uh, at this point we don't do it that often. Um, I think it might have happened in the past, but it's it's not really uh, planned at the moment. Um, our mainly our budget comes from our our The Hague municipality, um, and uh, yeah, it's then we do we work with subsidies from different organizations, um, but then we really try to invest as much as we can into the artists that we bring over. Um, so the collaborations that we have is more on a company level, or sometimes we have uh, an organization that gets out different shows each year, and then we say, okay, maybe we can have this one in this one. Um, so it's yeah, it's we're still we're still trying to figure out where we can find the bigger collaborations, uh, which is one of the the goals for the upcoming couple of years um because when Elska started it, she was she was on her own she was the only one doing the the you know the, the programming the the production the marketing the, the getting the finances etc so now we've steadily grown into a bigger organization now we're with five people so now we've got a bit more space to actually think about these collaborations so it's um yeah it's 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 good good for our future at the moment <laughs> Hopefully, if, if, if the pandemic actually subsides and we can actually put theatre on, that would be uh, also helpful. Yes, that, that's, that's, uh, that will be a helpful thing. Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe one day, hopefully the pandemic will be over. <laughs> I, was, I was actually wondering about your programming uh, process during COVID times. I mean, I mean, obviously, you can't go and see theatre at the moment to kind of like the Edinburgh Fringe didn't happen last year. Uh, so you know do you have do you have like shows in mind that you want to put on or do you have like a a, a list of, of like shows in 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 the in the background or ha- how are you finding yeah. new shows 
So yeah, the the new shows uh, we are already looking into our our 2022 program, and you know hopefully then COVID will not be a thing anymore, and uh, hopefully you know everything is sorted out with Brexit as well. Uh, so we have a couple of shows uh, that we are already talking to to see hey what are we gonna do in the next uh, next year, uh, but now during during COVID what we actually focused on was English language theater from the Netherlands. So either companies that um, have a Dutch show that they are willing to do in English or shows that already are in English or shows that are language, no problem. Uh, some some of the shows that we've, we've booked are from international makers that live and reside in the Netherlands, either in The Hague or Amsterdam. So we've really tried to look at what's what's available around us, which is it's been it's been a blessing as well because now we really started to have more connection with our, the 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 Netherlands and to see what's what's here, what what kind of English theater is is available in front of our nose. So it's a uh, yeah, blessing in disguise, I guess. I think that's the 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 lesson of covid generally i think is is you you actually see what is in your local vicinity be that the theater makers or just the the natural world around you <laughs> yeah yeah uh, definitely the museums that are in your own city yeah we don't we can't travel so we're stuck and yeah. we, we take advantage of what we can exactly yeah uh, and how has Hague responded to 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 the productions that you put on how how have they um what kind of people come to see your your productions so usually um, it's been uh, a lot of expats uh, and uh, we have a, a very large uh, portion of the expat community that comes to our shows, um, but also students and artists who reside here. Uh, we have, and there is a lot of, of Dutch people who are interested in English language theater as well. So it's, it's, it's been quite a mix so far. Um, and yeah, now that we have a, a bigger capacity in the organization, we have a bit more um, time and a bit more space to, to look into new, uh, new audiences as well. Um, but yeah, that hasn't changed that much over the last, last year. Um, yeah, as you say, everyone's stuck, in, uh, stuck at home, everyone's stuck in The Hague, so uh, and people are still, you know, and whenever something is possible, people really, really, really take whatever chance they get to, to go and see some live theatre. Um, so we've been very lucky in that sense that we have a strong, very nice, lovely community back home as well. No, I mean, also for, for me in, in Belgium, when, when, when there was a brief period in September, October, when things, when culture was open and yeah, I jumped at the chance to go and see things because you're just hungry. You have this this thirst to go and see something live. It's, it's incredible. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think there's going to be a big resurgence. I think audiences are gagging to get out and get into the theatre. And as soon as we're allowed to, I'm sure we will be. I put Ed on the spot last week with asking uh, how um, a sort of, I don't know, to put a maybe a bit of a rough term on it, accessibility, which is sometimes a bit queasy in, in talking about the arts. I don't necessarily mean it in terms of the arts itself, but ensuring that what you're doing is going to be available to all, you know, regardless of your financial background and your upbringing, that sort of stuff. Uh, how do you, I noticed that you guys, for example, have a brilliant 
looking learning and participation program your outreach looks looks amazing going through schools and right up through the age ranges and stuff like that can you can you tell us a bit about that is that a way that you make sure that, that everyone can benefit from the theater you're putting on yeah, so there are, there are two things. The, the, on the one hand, we have a very big education department. So, um, for example, there are a lot of uh, different teachers or performers who live in the Netherlands who can go to schools, either to secondary schools or elementary schools or sometimes universities. And, uh, yeah, we try and have a, as, as, as much different uh, kinds of theater workshops and, and master classes as we can, um, which is it's really thriving. A lot of, a lot of schools really want to have some 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 different workshops in um which is really nice and also for each performance we always ask our uh our the the shows that are coming in we always ask them if they can provide some sort of education as well whether it's for schools or whether it's just an, an adult workshop um so yeah we really try and get as much people involved in that way and on the other hand, if you talk about accessibility, it's something we've been really developing over the past year uh, to try and, for example, for each show that we book, we try and have a sign language interpreter there, or we try and have uh, uh, subtitles uh, for the shows, we try and uh, have an audio descriptor there, or have a relaxed performance. Um, so that's something we really wanted to, to start with in 2020, but, you know, COVID happened, so though, uh, uh, yeah, it was a bit delayed, but we're still working working on it to see. And so not only uh, for our audience members to have more access to shows, but also to work um, for the performers, so to have more accessibility on stage as well. Uh, we try and, and see if we can get more performers in, uh, for example, or disability-led performances or... Um, disabled performers to, to really um, also have that sense of accessibility that people who come to our shows also can see themselves uh, represented on stage. Um, so that's, yeah, something we've been, we've been working on and it's, uh, it's, uh, we're getting there. <laughs> no, I mean, Tom, it's re really inspiring and it's definitely something that I am trying to bear in mind as much as possible as, as I go towards building, building the theatre, like um, ha having these kind of opportunities for relaxed performances, as you say, or, or audio description there, they should be kind of, you know, they, they theoretically they should be a standard thing that we, but but they're kind of seen as an add-on. But like it's 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 having this reflex to think about it, and and as long as we as the the creators keep this in mind, then then hopefully that will um, trickle down in, in, into the everyday. Let's say. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, there's a, there's a lot of responsibility there for for not only for the programmers but also for for theater makers and artistic directors and and to really get your shows uh, to to be able to 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 work in the sense of accessibility so that it's not just only that there is a performance and next to it on the side you have a sign language interpreter but if you can really start thinking as as makers as well into the to the possibilities of 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 creating a, a space where everyone can enjoy your performances and, and using that as an artistic value as well i think there's a lot to be gained there yeah absolutely yeah I mean, one thing I would like to ask, since I am uh, making a theatre here, hopefully, uh, is is about the challenges that you see that 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 are specifically English theatres face in in this world, and, and, and so that I can be prepared as I'm coming across them. What kind of challenges do you see? 
Um, yeah, uh, I guess um, finding your audience and how to reach your audience and also how to, I guess that the sense that the accessibility, I think that's one of the most important things. I mean, not only for English language speakers in Brussels, but also, you know, people who are not native English uh, who live in Brussels. How can you, how can you make it as accessible as possible to see these shows? Um, language-wise, but also yeah, in terms of accessibility and in the other sense, um, so I guess reach is always always the biggest uh, outreach is always the biggest thing to deal with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you see any any do you foresee any problems posed by Brexit? Oh, the B word. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the B word, the big B word. Yes, I mean we have to talk about it. <laughs> We've got to yes, talk about it. Yes, of course. It. The thing is, at the moment, we find that nobody has a clue what's going on. Um, so really, like all the officials have have some sense of, okay, you might need a visa, but it could be a tourist visa, but it could also be a working visa. And this is different for artists than it is for directors or it is different for directors than it is for technicians. Uh, and then if you really need to start importing your set, that's a whole different kind of ordeal. So... We're at the moment we decided to just to wait a little bit and just to see how things develop. Um, so I guess especially I'm not sure what time frame you have in mind for uh, setting up the theater, but I can imagine that's not done overnight. So by the time you've set up, I think we will we'll know more uh, about what to expect and what's what's necessary. But yeah, oh, it's a. Uh, it's a shit show, if I may say. I think, in a, in a way, in a way, it's uh, fortunate or not. I don't know that that because of COVID, no one is traveling, so no one has to experience these issues yet. I think yeah. I think the real test will be once the the borders open and 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 exactly. people like yourself start putting on shows again. Yeah, we'll we we've said that we will uh, start booking from the UK again from September onwards. So before that, we'll just try and find either shows that are from the Netherlands or from the mainland, basically. So you said you won't be importing shows from the UK until September. So I was just wondering if you could outline a little bit what you are planning for for 2021 and what risks you're taking with regards to COVID or or, or not. Well, we um, so, yeah, only the first couple of months will just do shows from the Netherlands um, because, you know, there's there's not that much travel involved. You don't need to quarantine, etc. Those are all big, big things to keep in mind. Um, And then after September, we will Put on some shows that we actually had planned for 2020 um, but that we, we started to move around and postponing them and they ended up now in, in October November um, and what we do is what we think will happen is that the capacity for theaters will be uh, maxed to about 30 people per show um, that's uh, uh, I think yeah, to, to really which is what percent of capacity yeah, so usually, um, so usually we have shows that are for about 100 or 120 
people uh, and now we can only have 30 people in uh, and that that's i mean that's for small theaters but also for big theaters and even for yeah for stadiums i know it's 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 30 people is the max um at one point they tried to have 100 people in uh, as a maximum um but it might have been too much uh, so i mean to play it safe i'm just gonna assume that in 2021 we can have 30 people in for each show which means that we also ask performers to do two shows a day instead of one um and then so we can have more people in uh, to perform uh, two i was going to ask uh, the sort of sustainability of that you know um putting on shows with such reduced um uh, capacity is that how I mean I don't you don't need to put a date on it but I assume that's not something that you can continue to do for the long term so no 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 it's a it's that's yeah we we kind of said that we probably could do that for another year or so um and yeah then yeah really the the our reserves will start to run dry um but it's yeah it's it's doable also we have some uh backup from the government some financial backup from the government i mean it's yeah it's not a lot but we can manage yeah probably for a year or so with this capacity but then we really need to yeah get back to to a full house get bums on seats i mean it's it's a brave new world yeah, it yeah. certainly is i just got, yes. I just got one more Go on one more question on and i don't want to dwell on covid but it's a kind of positive one so maybe we'll leave covid on a positive note um i mean i sit th- with my work in 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 music i'm noticing a lot of in myself but also with my colleagues and in music and in theater in general opera and everything uh people thinking having a the time but also the necessity to think about things in a different way and therefore producing things in a completely different way lots of online based material and content um collaborations across the world which wouldn't have been possible because we can rehearse over zoom to a degree etc do you think thinking positively do you think that there will be a sort of uh i don't know and you know there'll be at least a new type of i think like we said earlier we'll all be gagging to get back to see those big productions and have the feeling of a night out in in a room with other people and seeing a big cast create something on stage with crew and everything do you think we're also going to get different types of theater as well coming out of this definitely and i mean i i hope so even you know it's it's this is a time to 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 get inventive and to 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 be innovative and mm. yeah i mean it's it, you know the things with uh, online but also in combination with offline and yeah there's so much possibilities and we've really been forced into um to working together more and that's what i what i really yeah the positive thing of this whole covid is that we really had to reach out to others and really had to start collaborating um and we had to to make the time for it which maybe normally we wouldn't have you know we just go on on your own little track and trying to see what we can do to to put do our own thing but it's it's really really great to see that you know there's so much collaborations going on um so many collaborations going on yeah that wouldn't have been done uh if it wasn't for covid so yeah that's 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 one of the positive things i guess yeah always nice to end on a positive note <laughs> yes <laughs> well and also also well also for makers for the for theater makers or, or performers you know you have to take account into account for example that now you do shows that are not for 
a full house. So you have to take the the, the audience experience into account as well. Mm-hmm. You know that you sit there probably you know on your own little chair with like a meter and a half in front and and on the sides, and there's a totally different experience. Um, so I think you know if if as as performers and as makers, you really can use that 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 sensation that people now have when they're in a theater wow we're back in the theater okay there's still distance okay there you know and it, it doesn't you know not all, all shows need to go no need to be about covid or need to incorporate what's going on but you know there is this sense of that you know we live in a different world so mm-hmm. use that yeah yeah exactly you can't escape the reality that we yeah. are in yeah <laughs> That was that was somewhat nihilistic. We can't escape the reality room. Yeah. Uh, one 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 final question, which kind of link back links back to the to the icebreaker. And this might not. I hate to be honest. I I hate this kind of question. If I was asked it, I'd probably walk away. Um, do you have uh, here? It comes. No, I think you'll be fine. Um, do you have Tom a uh, you know? Forget COVID. Forget budget. Forget whatever. What's your? What would you love? to bring to step what would be like your ideal production or you know what's your what would you like even if it was in another language and you could translate it into english what would be your best production wow um i do think then that like an an international collaboration between different organizations different countries especially different cultures and different perspectives i think that would be that would be the best yeah you know, that's what we always try to do with, with our individual shows is to show different perspectives. If you could put that in, that in one big, massive international production, that would be great. Yeah. That sounds like a call out to me. So if you're listening <laughs> to that and that sounds amazing, you know who to contact. <laughs> yes, yes. Please do. Amazing. <laughs> so, Tom Dello, thank you very much for your time. This has been delightful. And um, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Phil, thank you. Pleasure. See you again. Wait, I'm not sure how to how to finish I this. Know. I haven't thought about this. I might, I might redo this. <laughs> no you could probably record this separately if you want to do. I, pre- I oh I definitely will, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, let me just say uh yeah, okay. So, Tom Dello, thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. It's been, a, it's been a delight. You've been listening to How to Build a Theatre, a podcast brought to you by The Bridge and English Theatre for Brussels. The podcast was presented by me, Edward McMillan, and Phil Wilcox, with music by Smith the Mister, available through audiolibrary.com.co. For further information, check out www.thebridge.brussels. See you next month.